Welcome. Earth, come along with me. Oh, gnarly. Oh, my God, I shot my eye out. Please go to 11. Reading Starfighter. Hasta la vista, baby. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And here we know nobody puts baby in the corner because we've already sent Joel there for his puns. (laughs) I'm going to stay here, too. Joel and baby (laughs) sitting in the corner. F-I-S-T-I-N-G. No? Too soon? Maybe. Don't know. Either way, this week we are doing Dirty Dancing, the original 1987. Seven? Yes. Yeah, that was 87. 87. 1987 versus 87. 2017's made for TV thing. Dirty Dancing thing. Yes. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, so, yeah, this week. Dirty Dancing. And Patrick, actually, if you go to our uh, Instagram, he's going to be doing a bunch of snippets on how to dirty dance. What? He's going to be showing his gyrations and movings. Accent on the dirty. We have an Instagram? I am unfollowing it right now as we speak. (laughs) Yes. I love man. (laughs) And if you'd like to get in touch with us, give us a show idea. Get on that uh, call. Give us a 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. You can join our conversation on Discord by clicking the Join Us link that's in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, we are on all sorts of social medias. To check us out, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We post stuff. We're everywhere you want to be and some places you don't. That weird truck stop. We actually yeah, have some tra- listener feedback today. Truck stop bathrooms are the worst. <laughs> Your truck stop bathroom. No, that was a listener feedback. Truck stop bathrooms are the worst. Oh. No, it all wasn't. Stall, all the stalls have holes in them. That's where all our right. primary listenership is. <laughs> I, I hope not. But you're up to the hole and you get fucked. Glorious. That's exactly. ah. uh, So that anyway. Great movie. Oh, yeah, love the content, banter, jokes, and disagreeing with Patrick's takes on 80s music. Love always, a longtime female listener, Jess from Massachusetts. Thank you very much. We all disagree with Patrick too. Well, what is what what wrong takes do I have on eighties music? Hmm. None. Uh, none. Yeah, yeah. If you if you recorded in the seventies, you shouldn't record in the eighties. And that is correct. That's not an incorrect take. Mm. There, there, there's nobody that was popular in the seventies that was good in the eighties. They all sucked. All of them. I found another one too the other day, and I can't remember who it was. And I was like, Oh, Diana Ross. Her stuff I in the eighties was a... horrible. As a rule of thumb, I have a hard time disagreeing with you, but I disagree that it's universally true. I mean, it's uh, it's probably not like 100% universally, but it's around 93, 94%. Mm. I, I'm probably with you up to about 75%. I mean, yeah, the cars started in the 70s. That doesn't count. They weren't popular in the 70s. They still started in the 70s. Yeah, you I don't say, mean like you didn't start, say they like, had to be popular. Everybody you like said... started in the 70s that was popular in the 80s. You can't like just because they were a garage the band. Yeah, and you got a lot worse in the 80s. <laughs> it's true. I didn't get good until about 20 years ago, maybe 15 years. Yeah, let, let, let's stop this because he will just keep moving the goalposts like he did with Paula Cole. <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 i stay in the same lane with paula cole she was a one-hit wonder and i'm not right. done with that <laughs> you are the only person on the planet who believes that just like the beatles man that was one not hit. a hit the monkeys were a big the, the influence theme on the song beatles to a tv exactly. show is not a hit it never made the billboard 
Uh, I'm not going to relitigate this, considering <laughs> I'm pretty sure we already proved you wrong on that particular point. You tried to, but a hit is a, yeah. is a, it has a definition. We tried to, and we succeeded. See what you've done to us, Jess. And Patrick does no hits very well. He takes him constantly. Oh, you. Yeah. If there's any, day you're right. If there's anything he knows well, it's a hit. So, uh, Wait, yeah. What are you talking about? I'll, I'll hit you. You can't. You're in Texas. We've been over this. This is this is pre show stuff. You can't hit me. I'm in. You're in Texas. Oh, shut What's up. that? What's that? You, you waving your little fist around? <laughs> Big jerk. I think it's about that time. Good lord. Definitely. <laughs> this week in music, movies, and TV and hits. <laughs> right. So this week it's August twenty first, nineteen eighty seven. The release date of the original Dirty Dancing. All right. So the music, uh, the number one song in the land was Who's That Girl by Madonna. There was a movie attached to that, wasn't there? Yeah. There, there was a movie. The, movie yeah. the movie and the song both stink. It was kind of a ripoff from... I like the song. It's all right. I don't remember the movie, though. It's, yeah, it's, it's just very blah, both the movie and the song. I mean, it's definitely not her best work. No. That's for right, sure. No. Uh, what was the movie? I, don't, I mean, I remember the movie coming called, out. It was, but... called, it was called Who's That Girl? No, I mean... uh. Oh, here we go. The life of an uptight tax lawyer turns chaotic when he is asked to escort a young woman newly released from prison who persuades him to help prove her innocence. Who is the dude? Griffin Dunn. That's right. Oh, yeah. Which, you know, if you want to... You want a, an actor to go against Madonna in an 80s romantic type comedy? And, and it's be, be, done. Yeah, it'd be like an uptight, like, you know, oh, you have to untie my tie to make me, you know, less uptight. Now... I swear this sounds like a remake of a movie with Jeff Daniels. Cherry 2000. Oh, no. Something Wild. Uh, something Wild. Yeah. With again, he was with uh, Melanie Griffith. Yeah. That was a good movie. I like that one. Madonna uh, one. Not so much. Something Wild. Let's see. I know we're going off on a tangent, but now I got to know. A free-spirited woman kidnaps a yuppie for a weekend of adventure, but the fun quickly takes a dangerous turn when her ex-convict husband shows up, played by Ray Liotta. Yeah, Melanie Griffith, Jeff Daniels, Ray Liotta. That's a great little... That's a good cast. Yeah. Yeah, that's like top of the B list. 6.9 out of 10 and four versus 4.8 out of 10. So It also it also has a cameo by John Waters. Then I'm... I'm that's automatically a better movie. Yeah. Automatically. John Waters it's, ups, ups it. You would actually probably like this one, Patrick. Yeah, and honestly, like, I think even if you don't like John Waters... Uh, direction style, uh, especially in small doses like a cameo. Uh, he is entertaining in specifically that kind of role. Oh, yeah. He didn't direct this one. Jonathan Demi did. See, that's another notch in the upper upper category. Yeah. The man man got skills. So I need to this watch this. The, yeah, he did this and then uh, did Manchurian Candidate and Silence of the Lambs. It's a hell of a resume. Gotta say. Some, wait, was that something? Some kind. What was it called again? Damn it. Something Wild. Wild. Okay. I'm going to uh, look it up for later. All right. Moving yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, Blake Ellander. Ellander? Ellander. Blake Ellander Lively was born August 25th. She is a recipient of various accolades, including three Teen Choice Awards, a People's Choice Award, and an Academy of Country Music Award. The daughter of actor Ernie Lively made her professional debut in her father's directorial project, Sandman. She was in the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants franchise. She appeared in Accepted and Gossip Girl. New York, I Love You, The Private Lives of Pippa Lee, The Town, Green Lantern, Savages, The Age of Adeline, The Shallows, All I See Is You, A Simple Favor, and The Rhythm Section. 
In 2021, she made her directorial debut with the music video for Taylor Swift's acronym of the week, I-B-Y-T-A-M. I'm pretty sure that stands for I Buy Young Turtles and Masturbate. (laughs) I almost got through it. So many questions. I I didn't even know Taylor Swift wrote a song about me. (laughs) Well, no, that would have been I Buy Young Teens and Masturbate. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wow. That Ouch. I don't even like pizza that much. It, that oh, is, I, Patrick. Uh, wow. <laughs> I, that is, I bet you think about me. 4chan much? All right. Uh, I bet you think about me. Note to self. Twitter. Mark this one restricted. <laughs> <laughs> so she made her directorial debut with the music video for Taylor Swift's I Bet You Think About Me, receiving positive critical reception and an Academy of Country Music Award, as well as being married to the very sexy Ryan Reynolds since 2012. True. Who she met on Green Lantern. I'm just throwing it in there because we need to mention it because they're both very beautiful people. True. Met, met on Green Lantern and married him anyway. I kind of <laughs> wonder how many times we get to the explicit content specifically in the twee and more specifically with the acronym of the week. I'd say probably one in five. Well, we haven't gotten any warnings yet, so that's good. <laughs> yet. Yet. And finally, albums released this week included New Order's Substance, Tom Waits, Frank's Wild Years, Errol Smith's Permanent Vacation, and Depeche Mode's Never Let Me Down Again. Ah, Tom Waits, Frank's Wild Years, yeah. I hate Tom Waits. Me too. Eh, can't be right all the time. No, I can be right on this one. I just Uh, saw him... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm with you on that one, Joel. Uh, See? Somebody's got good taste. Uh, I just saw him in um, Licorice Pizza. The new, yeah, he's uh, a better actor than he is a singer. Paul Thomas Anderson film. I'll give you that. Yeah. I, and I would not disagree with that either. And I think he's a better songwriter than he's a singer, too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with that, actually. <laughs> hey, Mike, something wild. I just added it to the queue and uh, I'm going to have to watch that. Thanks for the Good. heads up. No. Obscure movies. That's me. All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land was Stakeout, starring Richard Dreyfuss, Emilio Estevez, and Madeline Stowe. I like this movie. It was fun. It wasn't anything groundbreaking. It wasn't anything amazing, but it was entertaining and made me laugh. Yeah. I remember that one. I See, I saw this movie and have no memory of it. That's appropriate. It's about where I sit, too. Yeah, Stakeout. I put this I put this in the same Emilio Estevez band as... Uh, Garb- the garbage bin movie minute. Yeah, one. the one where they were. Gar- yeah, where they were garbage men. Yeah, I, I I remember that one. I remember that one. I got the soundtrack to that one. That was actually. I mean, they're worth watching once. They're not worth watching again. Fair. I mean, if they're on, kind of like your sex tape. Oh no, I watch that all the time. I know you do. Ew, let's throw up a little. It just has to remember what it was like. <laughs> I warned you. Everyone else was free firing on you earlier. You got to take back the crown. That was a good shot to the dome, man. What's that whistling noise? <laughs> Incoming! Why is that man strangling that? Oh, wait, he's not. Oh, no, that's sex. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Movies released this week included The Big Easy, Born in East L.A., The Garbage Pail Kids movie, and what? Hamburger Hill. Wow. Uh, I, I saw such... one of those in the theater. <laughs> I hope it was The Garbage Pail Kids movie. It was! <laughs> so did I. So did I. <laughs> Oh. I had such high hopes because I fucking love the Garbage Pail Kids. You had high hopes for a movie based on trading cards, on stickers. Well, Mackenzie Aston, he can't go wrong, you know? <laughs> he also went into the Emoji movie really hoping for good things. I haven't seen that one. 
I mean, I oh. kind of enjoyed it, but I was in like sixth grade, seventh grade when this came out. Yeah. I recently showed it to my kids because uh, for some reason we were talking about Garbage Trail Kids. I think uh, when the because I bought the Stranger Things versions that they made of the Stranger Things characters, they made like little figure vinyl Still figures. Still making them? Oh yeah. Uh, and Jesus. my no, kids were asking about it, so I showed them a clip from the or the trailer from the movie, and Isaiah was like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> anyway, what were we saying? Sorry. I was going to say Big Easy is a good trip, too. Oh. Oh, yeah. Ellen Barkin, young Dennis Quaid. I think eventually I saw all of those films. I'm not actually sure I ever saw Hamburger Hill, though. I have not seen Hamburger Hill. Michael J. Fox war film. Pretty good. Yeah, I vaguely remember the trailer, but I don't think I ever watched it. All right. John Marcellus Houston was an American actor, director, screenwriter, and visual artist. He wrote uh, the screenplays for most of the 37 feature films he directed, many of which are today considered classics, such as The Maltese Falcon, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, The Asphalt Jungle, The African Queen, The Misfits, Fat City, The Man Who Would Be King, and Pritzi's Honor. During his 46-year career, Houston received 15 Oscar nominations, winning twice. He directed both his father, Walter Houston, and daughter, Angelica Houston, to Oscar wins. A heavy smoker, Houston was diagnosed with emphysema in 1978. By the last year of his life, he could not breathe for more than 20 minutes without needing oxygen. He Oof. died on August 28th from pneumonia as a complication of lung disease at the age of 81. I gotta say, Maltese Falcon, Treasure of Sierra Madre, two movies that people just need to see. 100%. The African Queen is pretty good, too. Oh, yeah. It is. Uh, it's interesting, though, because that was like one that uh, Bogey is uh, best known for. Because one of his uh, least favorites. Uh, yeah, oh, and yeah. it's as a Bogart fan, it's one of my least favorites. Now, The Misfits. Clark Gable, Marilyn Monroe. Have I seen those? So one with the great scene where she's dress blows up. Oh, yes. I uh, Yes, Isn't I it? have seen this. No, that's... Uh, no. The dress blows oh, up Some Like It Hot. Like, yeah, Some, some like, like Sorry, wrong one. Wait, Some Like It Hot? Some Like It Hot was the one with the uh, Jack Lemmon. Yep. That was the... No, that's... No, it wasn't. Yeah, that. I don't I think seen, that. So, I don't think that scene is from Some Like It Hot. Yeah, it's not from Some Like It Hot. Some Like It Hot dress scene. I was pretty sure about that. No, oh, it's Mar- Seven Year Itch. Right, yeah. yes. Seven Year Itch. Yes, that's the one. Yeah, I knew I'd I recognize it when I heard it. Because I know Some Like It Hot is one of one of my favorite Marilyn Monroe movies. And she's really good in it. Yeah, she really is. She's very funny, actually. So anyway, Great movies. Actually, you know what? All those, I'll go Maltese Falcon, Prissy Zahn, or The Man Who Would Be King. You should see them all. Definitely put all those on your list. Maybe Fat City, not so much, if you have a choice. But yeah, good stuff. I don't know what Fat City is. Uh, Fat City? That's what I said. That's got uh, Stacey Keach and Jeff Bridges, 1972. Uh, Stacey Keach and his very sweatiest. Uh, Professional Boxers. Ew. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, TV. Top shows in the land were Cosby Show, Different World, Cheers, and The Golden Girls. We could literally put five, six, ten shows in a hat and still be right at this point. Also, Carl Brook, a character actor known to audiences for more than a decade as Maestro Ernesto Fostich on The Young and Restless, died at age 81 on August 21st. Brook, a native of Vienna who fled Europe after losing his family in the Holocaust, and being imprisoned himself, came to the United States in 1945. He was seen in such films as Escape from the Planet of the Apes, The Birdman, Painter Wagon also, where he played portrayed Schremerhorn, the mean-spirited German shopkeeper. I have seen this movie. 
<laughs> it is it's ridiculous and way too long. Yes. Uh, he is also was seen regularly on TV ep- in episodes of The Fugitive, Star Trek, Star Trek, Mission Impossible, It Takes a Thief, and of course, Love Boat. Everybody was on Love Boat. Yeah, everybody at one point or another was on Love Boat, and Love Boat was kind of weird. I was on Love Boat. Yeah, in a jar. Now, if Wait. you, uh, I'm not. Oh, have you seen Painter Wagon, Joel? Absolutely, I have. The musical with Lee Marvin and Clint Eastwood. Yeah, oh, yeah. Not. I Talk to the Trees is a classic. It, although I first heard that song sung by the Smothers Brothers. Paint your wagon and go along or something like that. I, I watched yeah. it with Matt Brown. Paint your wagon. My, <laughs> my favorite scene is when Lee Marvin comes out of his drunken stupor and sees a woman nursing the baby, just walks over to the creek, takes off his hat and falls face first into the creek. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah it's, it, a, it's a bonkers concept, and it, it's one of those where I don't know that it's good, but I think everyone who knows who the stars are should watch it once. Yeah, it's it's an entertaining train wreck. How how okay? So there's a prospecting town, and a Mormon comes in, and he has three wives, and they think that's not fair that he has three, and all these guys have none, and then things happen, and Clint Eastwood and Lee Marvin both get married to Jane Seberg and have to share her as a wife. And there's a lot of singing. Yeah. A lot of, and a lot of singing. painting. Yeah. It's singing about wagon painting. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's a thing. It really is. Unfortunately, it's almost three hours long. Yeah. That. I think most people thing. who know the actors are like Lee Marvin, Clint Eastwood. Okay. Makes sense. First musical. What? Weird, but keep going. Western. Stranger. Three hours long. Ugh. Watch the clips on YouTube. Anyway, Tiffany Boone, born August 27th, is an actress known for Hunters. The following beautiful creatures and the horror comedy film Detention, which is a lot of fun if you've never seen it. I have not seen it. What's it about? Time travel. Hmm. Not what I was expecting. Right? I uh, thought it was uh, like and a high bear. school, like a high school. Like I thought it was gonna be like disturbed. Oh, yeah, it, it is a high school like horror movie. But there's a uh, like a the bear is the mascot of the school, and like if you climb inside the bear, you can like time travel or some shit like that. It's weird. It's trippy, but it's fun. Huh. Hmm. There's right. TV. Okay. Yeah. Moving on to sports. Sports. I, I paused because I knew you were going to do it. <laughs> I didn't do it earlier. So I know. that I, I figured you were going to have to get it out. Yeah. On August 26th, Paul Molitor went 0 for 4, ending his hitting streak at 39 consecutive games, the longest streak of the 80s. Sports. Wow. John Douglas Claude Goddard OBE was a cricketer from Barbados who captained the West Indies in 22. Yeah, you know his... me. <laughs> Shit, damn it. <laughs> it was captain of the West Indies in 22 of his 27 tests between 1948 and 1957. Goddard made his test debut in the West Indies first series after the Second World War. He played in all four tests, taking over the captaincy in the third and fourth tests. His medium pace bowling was more successful than his batting, and in the series, he took 11 wickets at 26.89 and made 122 runs at 24.4. But it was in captaincy that he excelled. The first two tests had been drawn, but under Goddard, West Indies won the last two easily. His final tally from 22 tests as captain was eight wins, seven losses, and seven draws. Apart from his captaincy and his batting and bowling, he was also a fine fielder close to the wicket, called by critics notably at Silly Midoff, end quote. I don't know what that means. I was going to say, is that a new term? That is it a new really, term. It really kind of is. Silly Midoff. Yeah. 
Anyway, while Mike is looking that up, Goddard died suddenly in London in 1987 while visiting for the celebrations of the bicentenary of the Mary Mary LeBone Cricket Club on August 26th. I should have read that word before I tried to read it. Mary LeBone. Yeah, I think it's just pronounced Marleybone. Marleybone? Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, it's spelled weird, but I think it's Marleybone. Marleybone makes sense, yeah. I should have left it as MCC. (laughs) She likes the bone. So what, yeah, thank you. What does uh, notably it's silly mid-off mean, Mike? Notably it's silly mid-off means is a fielding position that is quite close to the batsman on the offside of the field. This time the fielder will be a lot straighter than the silly point position. And then there's a diagram. So he's behind the batter then. Yes. So I think that's the is also it means silly mid-off just made excellent play. Yeah. So I think that's the silly. <laughs> Does somebody have a pet lion? What the hell was that? Joel just got eaten by a bear. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I belched, but I just, you know, kind of swallowed it. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Thanks for doing that to keep it very, you know, unnoticeable. Well, okay, you guys so... wouldn't have shut the fuck up at the right time. <laughs> okay, so you know, you know, Jesus, you know, the cricket field is round. And in the center, yeah. you've got that rectangle. A silly mid off and a silly mid on are on the left and right hand side of the bowler, respectively. The silly point is up near the batsman. So, like, like uh, four points of a square. So, top left is silly point, bottom left is silly mid off, right is silly mid on. You know, I and lost then, my virginity at silly point. <laughs> and then, and guess what? The up- Guess what the upper right-hand corner is called? Huh? Got silly point, silly mid-off, and silly mid The wobbly mid-on. nibbler. No, you lost called... my interest about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> 20 minutes ago, we were doing music. Uh, so yeah, it's called a short leg. <laughs> I, think, I think his point is this tweet is taking forever. What the hell? Cricket. You God. Cricket is so confusing to, to non-British people. Non-cricketers. If you're not in, if you're not in, the, in the UK of, in some way. Yeah, the they're all sitting like back laughing. They're like, well, they think we play this shit. <laughs> all right, that's it. Play us off, keyboard, Joel. Da, 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 da. So the year is 1987. The movie Dirty Dancing comes out, and suddenly everybody is in music again. This is a movie written, and I'm sorry, directed by Emil Ardolino. Yeah, so... Well, who watched the the special that we were talking about? Because they say that I, I watched it years Ar- or months ago, so I don't remember. Like you should know how to pronounce it. Yeah, Ardolino. That's what I'm going with. So, uh, directed also the right. TV movie Gypsy, Midsummer Night's Dream. Did the ah. uh, a TV movie of that? We know that. Yeah, that's uh, how we met. God, I rue the day. Stars Ricky Jay is in that. Also written by oh, Ele- Ricky Jay. Eleanor Bergstein. R.I.P. It was based off of her memoirs. And um, good God, Eleanor Bergstein. I'm going to hate saying this, but uh, who was the guy that was in Portlandia? Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Looks like Fred Armisen. <laughs> in drag. Yeah, looks like Fred Armisen in a wig. Like when, when they do the uh, lesbian bookstore sketch. Oh, God. Such a good show. Anyway. <laughs> Click that link and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, so currently, it is sitting at Rotten Tomatoes on se- at 71% for the critics and 90% for the viewers. It is a 1987 romantic drama dance film produced by Linda Gottlieb, directed by Emile, and stars Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. It's a story of Baby Houseman, a young woman who falls in love with the dance instructor Johnny Castle at a vacation resort. 
Uh, it's supposed to be based off of Bergstein's own childhood. She wrote the spring screenplay originally for a movie called It's My Turn that was supposed to have Michael Douglas, but actually wound up conceiving a story for a film that eventually became Dirty Dancing. She finished a, the script. She, she finished a script in 85 and it was in development hell for a little while and uh, at MGM because there was a lot of changes in management. But it finally got produced in 87, which honestly, for development hell, two years is not that bad. No, not at all. Not at all. No, but yeah, it, there was a lot. Like, uh, we've sort of made reference to uh, the movies that made us. Like, they go into all of the ways this almost didn't happen. Yeah, it's, it's, well, that show's great anyway, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun episode. Yeah, and one of the things about this movie that everybody remembers is literally the soundtrack. Um, just amazing. It was created by Jimmy Enner, I-E-N-N-E-R, generated two multi-platinum albums and multiple singles, most significantly the I've Had the Time of My Life, performed by Bill Medley and Jennifer Warnes, which won Academy Award for Best Original Song and Golden Globe for Best Original Song, and the Grammy Award for the Best Pop Performance by a Duo or Group of Vocals. So it took, took some, uh, some awards there. The soundtrack itself, we were, Pat and I were talking a little bit about this uh, earlier, but it is really good. She's like the wind. Do not talk trash about the She's Like the Wind. I love that song. I was just singing it. There's a parody song out there called She Passes Wind. Of course there is. Honestly, there's very few. I mean, out, outside of maybe Hungry Eyes. No, that's even not bad. But there, there was like, there's a couple songs that are like not real good. But they were luckily just kind of background songs, right? But you've got stuff like "Be My Baby." By yeah, all Ron the feature Ed. songs are are really good. Yeah, "Cry to Me" by Solomon Burke. "Will You Love Me Tomorrow" by the Shirelles. "You Don't Own Me" by the by the Blow Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, originally by Leslie Gore. Right, but for the soundtrack, they had the Blow Monkeys. Okay. Correct. But yes, and "She's Like the Wind" by Patrick Swayze. Which honestly, I think much better than um, Eddie Murphy's foray into singing. What you don't like "Party All the Time"? I was gonna say "Party All the Time" was a, a legit hit. Beyond that, <laughs> he was he was great in in uh, in Dreamgirls. So you got to give him his due. True. Then we have a one Jennifer Grey playing Baby Houseman. Patrick Swayze as Johnny Castle. Jerry Orbach, awesome as always, as Jake Houseman. Cynthia Rhodes as Penny Johnson. Jack Weston as Max Kellerman, Jane Brooker, Lisa Hausman, Kelly Bishop, Marjorie Hausman, Lonnie Price, Neil Kellerman, uh, Neil Jones, Billy Kostecki, fucking Neil, (laughs) and Cousin Brucie, the DJ that you hear in the very beginning was actually a DJ out in New York. Cousin Brucie uh, was also the magician, so he had a cameo there. And Wayne Knight Newman as Stan Newman. Paula Truman as Mrs. Schumacher, the thieving Schumacher, and Marinda Garrison as Vivian Pressman. So there you go. Boop, boop. And uh, some trivia on that one. The dancing that Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey do during the love scene was the same dance that they did for the screen tests. It was not originally supposed to be in the film. So there you go. Yeah, like I think they covered that in the movies that made us was like the the scenes that made the the movie where he's like running his hand down her arm and she keeps laughing. That that wasn't actually filmed for the movie. That was from their screen test. Yeah, that was an outtake. Those that actually was an outtake because there was actually a lot of conflict between Swayze and Gray mm-hmm. during this because 
Uh, Jennifer Grey was very, how he described her, she would be giggly one moment and crying in the corner and the next and all over the place. And the uh, crew and directing directors described Swayze as like, you wanted him to do ABC for the scene. He would get up there, do ABC. You do another take. He would do exactly the same thing again. And the two of them did not like each other to the point where they had to sit them down and show them their screen tests and be like, why can't you go back to doing this? Get over yourselves and go back to doing these great scenes. And they got back on it again. Apparently there was some residual bad blood from Red Dawn is what mm-hmm. they said, but they, 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 uh, they squashed it. They squashed the beef. Yeah. So uh, like I said, squashing beef. Uh, there, like, oh, it's actually my next trivia. There was concern among the production staff that the animosity between the two stars would endanger the filming of the love scenes. To address this, Eleanor Bergstein and Emil Ard- Ardolino forced the stars to rewatch their screen tests. The one with the breathtaking chemistry. This had the di- desired effect, and Swayze and Gray were able to return to the film with renewed energy and enthusiasm. Patrick Swayze also wore a girdle to look thinner and younger. Oh, really? That's funny. I didn't realize that. Also, some other stuff I was looking into, another reason Swayze was having some issues with this is, one, he, in all the previous movies he had done, he'd always done his own stunts. So he literally was doing the dance scenes with no cartilage in one knee. It was just Mm -hmm. bone on bone. So he had actually fallen off when they did the scene where they were dancing on the log his problems with his knee, he had fallen off the log like four or five times. And by the end of it, they had to take him to the hospital to get the fluid drained out of his knee. Yeah, he jacked himself up real bad uh, on some of the jumps and some of the landings, especially for the finale. Now, was that him jumping off the stage in the finale? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they, they made a pretty big uh, point about how much it wrecked him uh, in the making of. Okay. Because the question is always, is this a first viewing for any of us? Mm-hmm. Yep. No. Pat? <laughs> no. I wasn't sure. What? Initially, if I, and I came to a discovery that I have seen this movie before, but never all at one time. I've seen bits and pieces of it. This is the first time I've seen the movie from beginning to end without any interruption. Hmm. Yeah. So that's interesting. Huh. That is interesting, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. Let's get huh. into it. Penny is hot. That's my first comment. <laughs> That's how we're going to start, huh? Yeah, well, you know, I just had to get it out there. All right, fair yeah. enough. Cynthia Rhodes, that was his sister, right? No, that was the his dance partner. Oh, uh, The okay. sister was Lisa. Lisa, yeah. okay. Yeah, Penny's the one who needed the abortion. Right. Okay. <gasps> you said <gasps> the word. Man, now I got to double mark this show. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. No. Anyway. I, I, I enjoyed the foot thing at the beginning. Showing ever there's like kind of this weird dichotomy between the actual really good dancers and then all the people at the at the resort learning how to dance and are all like six inches from each other stepping on each other's feet. I thought that was a pretty cool intro to it. Johnny Castle was kind of an asshole for about sixty percent of the movie. He was just misunderstood. Although you know, I, I watch these in reverse order. I watch the 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 TV version first and then I watch this one. Big difference. He was just hiding his heart of gold. Hmm. What, in his boot? Under his girdle. Oh. He's in his, in his dance boots. He's <laughs> in his cowboy boots. He had him tucked away. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is, this for me, watching it from beginning to end, finally actually putting everything together. First of all, Jerry Orbach is amazing in this. Mm-hmm. And I will say, memories of watching this then, to watch, of things that I felt now, my <laughs> whole transition went from 
trying to wishing I could be in Patrick Swayze's shoes to wishing I could stop thinking of myself in Jerry Orbach's shoes. Right. I knew you're, I knew it was going to say, yeah. Now you're seeing it from the dad's perspective. I was like, Jesus. Like, my daughter. I'm like, Jake, I understand, man. I'm like, <laughs> this Johnny Castle's no good. He's no good. Why are you going back to him? I don't care if he didn't knock up that first girl. You're still not going back to him. He's like Careful. 35. He'll rip your throat right. out. I mean, he, he obviously like he's he's a hillbilly dance instructor who looks like he might have his own daughter who's older than yours. <laughs> right. It makes sense that dad has a problem with what's happening. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because like I remember but seeing because cool, he can dance. Oh, yeah. He can dance. He did his little speech at the end. And it's all right. It's cool, man. I understand you're banging my daughter. It's all right. You can dance. But no, it's like either. I remember seeing the introduction of Johnny Castle. Back I, I understand you turned my daughter into a sex crazed nympho. Yeah, thank you for that. By the way, that's gonna be wonderful taking her back to Jersey. We used to call her baby, but now she just wants to hump everything. You can dance where you want to. You can leave your pants <laughs> you cert- behind. You certainly flipped that libido on for me. Appreciate it. You. <laughs> well, I didn't what? mean it like that, you pervert. Anyway. Yeah, then we're here. <laughs> <laughs> we're here. Another so- Neil's a douche. Oh yeah, Neil. I mean, first off, if you want to win the heart of a woman, do not tell her about how you brag to another woman. Right. Yeah. Don't don't talk about how you pick up other women. Yes. That is not something. Oh, you you must be really big with the ladies then. That's not going to happen. And, and don't brag about how you're impressed by women that are admitting admittedly gold diggers. Like, yeah, two bad things off the bat. I was kind of wondering if maybe I'd have a different perspective on it, having not watched this in a while. And this might be might be the third time I've seen it. I, I I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just kind of nothing it. Like it's okay. Music's good. It's decent, but I don't I don't quite understand like the just like unabashed like love people have for the film. I think it just it it benefits a lot from nostalgia. Well, and also like it's undeniable that there is searing chemistry between the leads. As much as we know that they hated each other in real life, like that's chemistry is real. And like for people that are into like a romance thing to see people that appear to be like that into each other and find that hot, like I get it. Well, I mean, passion, you know, is is two sides of the same knife. Like if you can hate somebody and it can come across the screen as something different. Yeah, that's true. Like, look at how how good uh, Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard came across on, sc- on screen. Look at this show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he ain't wrong. <laughs> Damn, Joel. Yeah, right. he's he's kind of violent today, isn't he? You took, you took some asshole pills. I like it. <laughs> no, I, I will say this, is that uh, Jennifer Grey emotes wonderfully. Like, mm-hmm. the first point where I, I was, like, completely adored by her was when... Um, they're sitting at dinner and they commented about what college she was going to. And she had that whole switch to happy look of death back to happy again. <laughs> In the moment, I think the whole situation between Swayze and her and, and her being kind of flighty and giggly and crying and all that really didn't do great for the movie or the point where they were at, at odds with each other. But I think for the movie itself, as a character of baby, she just charms you to death. There's that brief, that like innocence to the character. Well, she's very likable. You know, she she definitely has charisma and uh, um, she's just fun to watch on the screen. It's a nice counterpoint to kind of his brooding, misunderstood, you know, tough guy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's quiet, manly brooding. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm a fan. I'm a Jennifer Grey fan. I've Ever since Ferris Bueller's Day Off, 
mm-hmm. and even up through you know post surgery uh, that uh, it's like you know her TV show she had was a lot of fun. So yeah. yeah, I remember you being a fan of that show. What was it called? It's like you know. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I remember the title was horrible. Post surgery. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go. You go ahead. Oh, she just got got into an accident and had to have reconstructive surgery. Oh. Um. So she looks a lot different now. Still Jennifer Grey, but yeah, she def- she lost that big uh, nose silhouette and like she became almost unrecognizable to a lot of. People. Yeah, oh. she looks very different. Oh. But it was a I, it was a running joke in that sitcom that you know because she played a character that was was actually herself and like it was a running joke how people didn't realize she was Jennifer Grey. Yep, and you know a lot of times you see plastic surgery and it's it, you're like oh man that person had some work done. Hers actually has done really well. Hers is really well done. Like it's well, not noticeable anyway. And I'm and I'm glad she kind of owned it too. Like it like there wasn't that the yeah I had I had this done because of the accident but we're not going to acknowledge it. I think when they acknowledge it, it's actually better but it kind of ruined her career because she had that distinctive silhouette that made her different from other hollywood actresses mm. yep and then suddenly she couldn't find work yeah Aww. which sucks because poor jennifer gray because it was yeah. almost like she was just starting over as somebody you know as a new person all over, you know and like it's hard enough to to strike the gold once in hollywood much less twice mm-hmm. yeah. now one comment one line in this whole movie i think is incredibly unfortunate is um what was his name? I carried a watermelon. That one. <clears throat> oh no, no, I carried his watermelon. I thought that was pretty damn funny. Actually. I love that line for some That's reason. It's a great line. And especially because she does that does that I carried the watermelon. Right. <laughs> um Billy, like uh why would you even bring up you help pay for uh, abortion? Right. Right yeah. right that yeah thanks for thanks for covering that abortion for me man. Well I mean even if even if you knew that he knew, why would you say that? Right. Especially just in straight up, yeah, just no, just no. Yeah, and just and then the whole, whole way he said it was so so friggin' skeez. Oh yeah, you know, with you know, women like that, you know, it's like, dude, if if I would have gotten like that right now, this movie is about seven stars for me, seven out of ten. I would have given it another star if Jerry Orbach had just gone full crime and punishment, just punched him square in the face. After. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, tell me that would not have been a great, or just, or just full, or just full on, you know, dad lecture him down. Oh yeah, I'm like, just dress that asshole down. I mean, let him know what a scumbag he is. That sort of thing. Again, I'm speaking from 45 year old Jerry Orbach dad brain. <laughs> it's like when when she comes to him and she's like, Dad, yes, I need help. I'm here to help you. I need 250 dollars, but you can't ask why. Like hell, I can't. I was gonna like, man, Jerry, you're much better than I am. <laughs> I'd be like, not only are you gonna tell me why, you're gonna take me whatever, you, wherever you're gonna spend this money. You're walking me there. I'm gonna see where this is going on. Looking at him as as a dad was kind of, I don't say overly trusting, but it, it's it's good to have trust in your kids, and I totally trust my kids. You know, I I I hope and pray they're gonna make the right choices. You know, hope and pray that they're going to do the right thing. But at the same time, if you come, to, if either one of them came to me and said, "What, what would, what year did this happen again? What year was this set? '64, something like that." Yeah. Uh, oh, like yeah, it was '60s. I don't know. Yeah, what so early. Let's say 1962. It. She says in the very beginning. Completely forgot. Um, 250. That's what. That's probably around two, three grand in today's money after inflation. If either one of my kids came to me and said, "I need three grand, but I can't tell you why," there would be like. All right. If you need three grand for something, this is something obviously I need to get involved with. You know, I wouldn't just or be maybe like, they oh, just have ga- gambling debts. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, if they they, they they told me I've been leaving the house in the middle of the night and going down to the boat over in Aurora and having, you know, playing the slots or whatever, fine. That's cool. Just let me know, you know? It was 1963. Let me know. It's not for a hit, man. <laughs> so the equivalent of $2,000 in 1963 to, you're talking about to, to if they yeah. were to come to ask you this year, like 2022? Yeah, I, f- I found an inflation calculator. So it was not, when was the year again? It was 1963, so it'd be about almost twenty thousand dollars. What? Wow. Yeah, nineteen thousand three hundred sixty-four. They didn't ask for nineteen thousand. They asked for two hundred and fifty. You, you doubled it twice. They asked for two thousand dollars, right? No, no, oh, no. Two hundred and fifty. Oh, two hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, math is hard. So two thousand four hundred twenty dollars. Okay, so I was right about about two two three grand. You said about you know. two thousand. Yeah, so yeah, so, so they, yeah, they come to you and they say, "Hey, I need to, I need twenty five hundred dollars," but you can't ask why. And I'd be like, "Okay, you're buying me a motorcycle. That's what's happening, right?" <laughs> I know that's wrong. So you let you know. I think I think dad dad goggles on. I think old Jerry needs to be a little bit more inquisitive on this sort of thing. But at the same time, he was a doctor, so. To him, that could have been like. Nothing. What if we just? What if we assume that happened off camera? Mm, no, because then he would not have reacted the way he did when he when she he came to. Well, no, I'm not her. saying that you know he he got the answers he wanted, but maybe he grilled her and she just insisted. True, that yeah. would be boring to watch. That's true. That is because I mean you're just arguing and going to end up at the same conclusion. So maybe yeah. you know, maybe we just assume that happened, but we didn't need to watch it. Yeah, we didn't need. Okay, I can buy that. Because but, he's not an idiot, so I mean, I, I assume he would just just question her at least a little bit. Yeah, there'd be a little yeah, he's bit. Of definitely not an idiot, that's for sure. Yeah. And I like how by the end of the movie, when he realizes he was wrong, he admitted it and all that kind of. I mean, that that shows good character. Yeah, yeah. After he talked to uh, talked to Billy, and he was like, "All right, now I do give credit to um, uh, to Johnny Castle for you know, yeah, it's you know, he's gonna blame somebody. Yeah, I'm in. I'm the one. Fine, blame me." Now he's not pointing fingers. He's the one who's going to take the hit for this sort of thing. But you know, good on good on Johnny for doing that too. But it it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. There was great music. There was great dancing. The montage scenes, especially which one did I put on the wipeout the dance practice scene where she's like walking up the stairs trying to learn mm-hmm. the, the dance. Those were fantastic. Yeah, the, the whole dance oh. stairs scene is kind of when you know the movie made everybody fall in love with Jennifer Grey. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's kind of the iconic moment. In the movie. Yep. It definitely has a very 80s sensibility about like what it means for her to have like her awakening and this whole kind of skeevy thing with an older guy and finding her meaning through her boyfriend that doesn't play quite as well today. I mean, even as a period piece. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) And it reminded me of the, um, the, um, the family guy, it's like when he's like, it's like that dirty dancing with a realistic ending when they wind up arresting Johnny Castle and they start playing. She's like the wind or the time of my life when he's laying in bed and is the other prisoner in the in his cell comes up and starts snuggling him. <laughs> I don't remember that. You haven't seen that? I don't remember that one. No, I have to look that up. I have to put well, that a lot of people were under the impression that uh, she was underage and she wasn't, especially for the time. She was 16, 17? She was 17, almost 18, headed to college. Yeah. Still still not appropriate, but not illegal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Not quite as bad, but still not good. Castle? Houseman? Hmm. Mm. There's something more going on there. I, I see where you're going. Keep going with this. I don't want to. 
Well, all right. But then. in this case, the castle went into the house. Uh, well, uh, I mean, he's not wrong, I guess. Yeah. He isn't wrong. I'm talking about sex. Who, who the hell gives a chicken oh. as a present? I mean, as a, as a prize. <laughs> right? You've been so good. You here did this stupid magic thing. Here, have a chicken. I want to know what happened to the chicken. I'm pretty sure they took it back when she got off stage, to be honest. Like, that's what you would do if you, like, you know, Mr. Kellerman himself. I don't know. I'd keep the chicken. Like, my, my thought was, like, so they have a live chicken all the time just for this one little super game. <laughs> I also think it's interesting. Like, I remember finding Lisa as a character extremely irritating, but... On a subsequent watch, I think the thing that's interesting about her, uh, it's easy to forget, is like all of her actions come from like a lack of attention, Mm -hmm. right? Although the little speech in the middle of the night was a little bit bratty. Yeah, but I mean, once again, like that's one of those things where it's easy for us to look at her through the lens of... Uh, like how we expect people to behave today. And it's annoying to watch it, but I don't think it's like unrealistic for that kind of girl in the 60s. It's not unforgivable either. Right. Well, all right. Think we've talked about this one enough? I, I mean, I, yeah, I, I think we've pretty much covered it. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the band leaders' uh, tap dancing days are over. Oh. <laughs> that was yeah. more like tap shuffling. Because he's dead now? Well, no, I mean, like, in movie universe, not, like, in oh. real life. Yeah. A yeah. lot of these people are dead now. R.I.P. Patrick Swayze. Jerry Orbach. Thanks a lot, Joel Osteen. R.I.P. Pa- yeah. 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 Absorbed. Screw you, Joel Osteen. Yeah. I remember the year I tried to pick Jerry Orbach for our death pool, not realizing he had died years earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. All right, so we are going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the 2017 Dirty Dancing made-for-TV. This may be the first time we've done a made-for-TV movie. Hmm, I'm not sure that's true, but I'd be hard-pressed to tell you exactly when it was before. I mean, unless it was like a TV show. Abigail Breslin. But either way, we will be right back with Dirty Dancing 2017. We are back. Now we're going to talk about Dirty Dancing, the TV movie of 2017. Oh, boy. Yeah. Pox on your house, Michael, for suggesting this topic. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I was going to say, I think that's fair. No, hi. (laughs) Spoilers. And I'll take it. I will take it. Spoilers. Here we go. So this is directed by Wayne Blair, who is known for such things as Mystery Road, Firestarter, which is not 2020 Firestarter. No, it's, it yeah, is... I think that's the one we were talking about possibly covering. Okay, well, that just shoots that right in the fucking foot. Then that, that no, seals no, no, the coffin no. on Firestarter. No, it is not Firestarter with the, with the girl who can set fires. This is Firestarter is the story of the Bangara Dance Theater through the eyes of their long-standing and charismatic director, Stephen Page. Oh. Well, in that oh. case, let's watch that. Yeah. It's that Firestarter, sounds... the story of uh, Prodigy. <laughs> that's, I, that's where I thought he was going, I swear. Like, he directed that video. I'm like, that makes sense. I wrote a song. It's called Firestarter. What do you think? Should we write, make this song? Yeah, we should make this song. Oh, but I've got to go through some trials and tribulations first. Oh, okay. So, Wayne Blair, thank you for the things that you do. Firestarter. 
As also, the screenplay is written by a one Jessica Sharzar. Sharzar. Shaharazad? Shaharazad, yes. Charizard? Charizard. Uh, Charizard. Jessica Charizard. She's also been a producer on American Horror Story, but things that she has written is um, the episode The Seller from the 2020 version of Amer- Amazing Stories. And she wrote, jeez, uh, one, eight episodes of American Horror Story. Wow. Well, that explains why this was a horror story. Yeah, I'm just I'm assuming none of them are the none of them are Death House because Death House is probably the best out of all of them. But uh, yeah, amazing stories. That's another another show we need to put on the shelf. This is summary during dancing 2017 American film directed by Wayne Blair and Jessica Sharjar. Sharjar remake of the film of the same name. It aired on May 24th, 2017. It was seen by 6.61 million viewers with a 1.4 Nielsen rating. Remember when those actually meant something? Right. Charizard, yeah. I choose you. Well, <laughs> now, here's the thing. It's like the doctor in Fletch, Dr. Harfur. Harfur. Uh, now, here's the thing. You know the, they're, they're pushing the Nielsen rating when they, the age demographic is 18 to 49. So it's a pretty wide swath. Any adult. Yeah. <laughs> Watch this. Anyone who's not in high school. Uh, critique, critique, critiquer, critic of Kimberly. What? Are you having a stroke? I, maybe I'm, I'm looking at the notes <laughs> that I took for this movie and I'm having a stroke just remembering what I watched. This critiquer that discussed the film. <laughs> this critiquer gave Dirty Dancing a D by adding unnecessary elements and turning Dirty Dancing into a musical, ABC proves that it wouldn't know what made the original film special if it hit him in the pachanga. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Ah, I love that comment. Uh, the remake gave ABC its most watched Wednesday in nearly seven months, but it was also considered to be a disappointment in the ratings and lost the evening to the CBS season finale of Survivor. So, wow. That tracks. Yeah. So we have... Abigail Breslin as Baby Houseman. Should have been Spencer. Spencer Breslin as Baby Houseman. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? And now you broke Pat. <laughs> you totally got me with that one because I'm thinking Abigail Spencer and it is fucking... <laughs> I don't even know I what gotta, the whole... I gotta go away. <laughs> Look what you did. I don't think we've ever had a moment where jo- where he had to mute himself, Joel. Oh, <laughs> you should be proud. Uh, Cole Pratt's. Uh, it's happened twice before, but I, this, uh, yeah, the second time. Oh, God. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. You, you okay? You all right there? I'm, cool. I, I just, it just keeps coming back into my head, Spencer Breslin, <laughs> like getting lifted up in the air. <laughs> That might have been slightly more awkward than Abigail Brisling. <laughs> but possibly easier on the lead. <laughs> anyway, Oof. moving along. Cool. Sorry. That's, I'm um, fine. You all right? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm Cole fine. Pratt's looking like a very young Adam Carolla as Johnny <laughs> Castle. Sarah Hyland as Lisa Houseman. Nicole he looked like Adam Carolla and Steve-O had a baby. Yes, he did, didn't he? You were totally right. I was trying to figure out what the other half of the couple would be. Yeah. Uh, Sarah Hyland as Lisa Houseman, Nicole Scherzinger as Penny Rivera, Tony Roberts. Scherzinger. Scherzinger, whatever. Scherzinger. Yes. He's a pussycat doll. Uh, okay. 
Was. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Was. Uh, Tony Roberts as Max Kellerman, looking like somebody let the air out of Ron Perlman. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's not wrong. Uh, he's like Purgatory Boy. Jay Quinton Johnson as Marco. Shane Harper as Robbie Gould. Trevor Einhorn as Neil Kellerman. Casper Smart as Billy Kozeki. Finkel as Einhorn. Einhorn. <laughs> Einhorn is Finkel. Einhorn. And Neil, okay. Okay, getting to the Neil situation. Okay. I have comments about Neil later on. Katie but, Seagal as Vivian Pressman. What was that? I was going to say, by the way, real quick, since we're doing the credits, and this is not like related at all to the movie, did you recognize Trevor Einhorn, Joel? Yeah. Or even re- Josh. Yeah. Did yeah. I recognize him? Yeah. yeah he's I from The not. Magicians. No, no, Ooh. I'm talking like like something. You don't watch. Yeah, I just will give it away. But Oh, yeah. He was on The Office. He's uh, Yeah. He was... Uh, yeah, just Josh. in time. Just, just in time. Just yeah. in case. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just making sure. Oh, wow, that's funny. See, Justin Paulsnick. <laughs> Sorry. And he was also uh, uh, Freddie Crane on Frasier. Okay. Anyway. Sorry, yeah. He was also Josh. Name. Josh in the in the Magicians, and he was fantastic as that. Yeah. He I was, just... and you know what? I did not recognize him, uh, but now that you say it, I can see it. Um, Casper Smart as Billy. Katie Seagal as Vivian Pressman, Billy D. Williams out of left field as Tito. Don't be dancing with the white girls. And who um, filmed all his scenes in one day, probably. Probably. You know, like, yeah, I'm out of here. Obviously, crap. Bruce Greenwood as Dr. Jace Houseman, Jake Houseman. Deborah Messing as Marjorie Houseman, and Jennifer Schirmke as Esther Feinberg. Uh, so, trivia Jennifer Gray, who was baby in the original Dirty Dancing, turned down a role in this. And when asked for her reasons for declining, she said, I was asked to do something on that show, and I was flattered because I always wanted to be asked because it's nice to be wanted to be included. (laughs) But for me, it would be sacrosanct for me to do it because it didn't feel appropriate to me. It feels like if you're going to do your own thing, you do your own thing. I wouldn't say what role was offered, but I will tell you it wasn't baby. So summary that, I read the script, realized it was shit, and I don't want to be... I'd rather not work than work on that. Right. Also fair. Yes. Uh, the song that Katie Seagal sings, Fever, is the same song that Kelly Bundy danced to in season three of Married with Children. Oh. And that's pretty much all the trivia that IMDb had on this. I was going to say, that, that bit of trivia right there, that's, that's a little bit of a reach. Not yeah. Lie. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> yeah. This is all I'm, for I'm you, gonna... Damien. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be the first one to go on record and say I did not appreciate this movie. I did not like it. I, this remake was uh, the choice to make it a musical really bugged me. Well, it wasn't was even no a re- musical. It was like no. It was yeah, the was memories just... of somebody watching the musical. Right, and and that especially. Let's just talk about the fact that the the bookends of the movie were just completely unnecessary. They served as, no purpose. As was, as was the movie in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> He's not yeah, you're right. The, the rapper device was weird at best. Yeah. And the epilogue was just horrible. The acting was just bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand they may have been going for, oh, hey, this is awkward. We haven't seen each other in a while. But they were more like the, hey, let's act like we are sixth graders pretending to be in a romantic relationship or something. Right. Was... I mean, that's kind of how their whole relationship was. I honestly felt bad for the actors because every uh, romance scene was so cringy. It, like, it just seemed like they didn't want to do it. It reminded me of the kissing scene in a middle school play. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
This is that's and, one of my notes. That's one of my notes. Uh, this is like a community theater production with a director that saw the original movie twenty years ago. And is it impossible for Abigail to have taken a couple of dance lessons because basically she kind of just swayed a little here and there, and that was it. Like it was the she, mildest. Yeah, she, she put she put very little effort. Yeah, I, I think the problem with the dancing was once she started actually moving, the weight of her head started throwing her all off balance. Well, it shouldn't have. She was in proportion. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I uh, like her as an actress, but she was horribly miscast. You're, you're an asshole, and I love it. She, I mean, Josh no. is totally, totally no, right. It was a right. horrible casting decision. Yeah, she's not a bad actress by any stretch. No, no, but she should not be in this. And the thing is, nobody should be in this. <laughs> right. Um, but it would have been better with, with I mean, just a host of other people. Well, and I think part of the charm of any romantic film, whether it's a comedy or a drama or whatever, where the two people get together at the end, is that you in your head can figure out the rest of what happens with their life. You know, they go live happily ever after. We don't need to see that after that the movie ended... She wrote a book. They never saw each other again until he was cast in the lead role in the show. She's married to Mustache McDonkey Face. <laughs> they, they have a kid. Who couldn't possibly be more awkward? They, they, she had angry sex with him to have a, a bastard child she didn't really want. And then she shows up and sheds a tear because he's still looking good, shaking his butt, you know, living their life story over and over again. And she's, you know... I like I, I like Evil Joel. Evil Joel is fun. Have you grown a goatee or something? What is that going on here? That was more fun than watching the actual movie. Right? It was worth watching the movie just to hear that. I need a picture right now because I think you have a goatee and are wearing a gold sash right now. I mean, I'm not even really a fan of the first film, as I said in the first half of the oh. show, but they somehow made a movie that was already kind of mediocre even worse. Right? I mean, I have like a little bit of a soft spot in my heart for the original Dirty Dancing, just basically because because of the time it came out and yeah. you know, like the effect it had on me as far as just like wanting to find somebody and fall in love myself at that age and all that kind of crap. So like, you know, it did a good job, of, you know, and it, it means something to me because I saw it at the right time in my life. But, you know, and so <laughs> I understand that it's not a great movie by any stretch. Did you have the time of your life? <laughs> not well, while watching the remake. But that's, I, that's the other thing. They had a bunch of weird artists covering the songs. Now, I don't oh know. Oh my who, god, the music who, sucked. Who covered yeah. what? But it's like, here, let's grab Presidents of the United States of America doing "She's Like the Wind." That's not what it is in the movie, <laughs> but it might as well be. Was it? Like, let's pick some other band that's no longer relevant and make them sing a song. <laughs> hang on, hang in on. A you, different style than they normally do. Here's the Toadies doing. Uh, <laughs> Whatever other side. Love, man. You, you may kill Patrick at this point, Joel. And if you do, I will be it's so a, impressed. The Toadies oh. and Paula Cole doing, you know, <laughs> time of your life. Hey, again, I'm looking up the soundtrack. Oh, did did I forget? Did I meant? Did I talk anything about the summer camp thing with Dirty Dancing with me? No. In the previous one? So no. okay, the reason. Okay, clarify. I used to be a camp counselor at a camp up in near Rockford, like just north of Rockford, Joel. Mm-hmm. And it was when this was really popular and they were, they, we literally had a talent show at the end of the end of the week for every, every, all the kids. And I was the only one that knew the dance, like what the whole, dance? like the, the um, Mamba, 
dance where he lifts, she lifts him, uh, gets lifted oh, in the air. Soft candy. Yeah, I, I knew that. Yes, Mamba. That's exactly. I knew. I chewed a lot of soft candy. I knew that dance for for reasons. I'm not going to get into. I knew that. Did dance. you and Matthew practice that a lot? Yes, and it was the hardest <laughs> thing was getting. You know how hard it is to get your little brother to dress up as Jennifer Grey. <laughs> Not that hard. Yes. <laughs> it's a lot easier nowadays to get Matthew to dress up like that. <laughs> so here's the thing. is like for the talent show, me and another counselor, we did the dance. But the thing was, I have absolutely no upper body strength. There was no way in hell I was going to lift this person. So there was another counselor that was strong, like the the head and a half taller than me, dude. So we did the thing. She ran at me with the with the um, to do the lift. And at the last second, I stepped out of the way. He stepped in, lifted her up, <laughs> put her down, and I stepped back in and we finished the dance. You got a stunt lifter. <laughs> I got a stunt lifter. But oh, my God. No. And the choreography is awful. So Be My Baby was per- performed by B. Miller. Who the hell is B. Miller? Like the, minute, the minute they walk into the party, and instead of them using a, a jukebox, a DJ, or any kind of like whatever, it makes a little sense, I guess, that they're singing. But like as soon as they get rid of you know the mic and everything, and the, and they're like, he's just supposed to be singing loud enough for the whole room, and everybody else is singing. I was like, yeah, this is dumb. Actually, the whole party was kind of weird. You're going to have something right where the guests can see it that says no guests allowed that is way more fun than anything the guests can participate in. Mm -hmm. And way louder than anything they're doing. It was just weird that like management would not have a problem and that people wouldn't complain. Well, I think Laura said that they changed changed the lyrics to the Time of Your Life song. Yeah, they changed the lyrics to a lot of the songs. Deborah Mezzing did... What did Deborah Mezzing? Deborah Mezzing did They Can't Take That Away and American, oh. American Authors did Wipeout. Hungry Eyes was Grace and Chance. You know, and the movie was like a half an hour longer than the original. And most of that was the stupid subplot with the parents falling out of love. What was the what? purpose of Why? that? Why? Yeah, Why was that needed? Everybody was so freaking horny in this movie, too. And, like, I understand that they want to say a few things about sexism and racism, but they did it so clumsily that it would be better to have not tried. And, yeah, Neil. What the hell, Neil? Like, suddenly I was expecting Neil to be like, oh, you're a girl. You can't do this. Here, look at me. Let me talk about all the girls I've dumped in in my life to try and impress you. Suddenly he becomes, like, the feminist ally. I liked this version of Neil. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, li- I liked him because I liked the actor. I think the change in character was ridiculous. And I agree with Josh to the point where she's reading the freaking bell jar at the talent show. The, yeah, that was a little on the nose. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, that's worse. That's worse than uh, what's his name? Uh, just randomly having a copy of the Fountainhead in his pocket in the original. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, there was these. Yeah, you're right about them being horny because there were three abortions in this movie. I thought that was a little excessive, but <laughs> you get an abortion and you get an abortion. It's, it's clumsy. Yeah, the whole thing is just it feels like it was written by by 14 year olds. It's like fan fiction of Dirty Dancing. Oh, that's yeah. The, yeah. Uh, that's a bit better. Yeah. Like a 14 year old fan fiction. Yeah. With a self insert. Yeah, I, I did not enjoy this whatsoever. What else do I have in here? Reading the bell jar. This is not good. Is written just <laughs> bad, bad, bad. The sex drama for the parents is that needed. Uh, Death, hung- please come. <laughs> hungry eyes uh, was awful. She's like the wind was awful. Did I miss? Did did Johnny Castle talk about hot wiring cars in the original? No. 
No. Okay. So that whole like he has a criminal background is completely pulled out of nowhere. Yeah. Okay. And I'm pretty sure Billy D. Williams was asleep. (laughs) 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 That's that's pretty. And let's see. Neil's character change soundtrack. Sex drama from the parents. We're getting divorced. Then we go in a boat, and now we're fine. Yeah. Well. Quick, everybody buy a boat. (laughs) The whole thing was a boat commercial. (laughs) I would appreciate it more if it was, I think. Boats all the way down. It was a boat the whole time. Johnny Houseboat. Johnny Houseboat? (laughs) (laughs) Damn it, Joel. We challenged him. We said he wasn't going to be funny again. He's like, I'll show them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, this just this just did this added nothing, even though it added something. You know, it just added a lot, added nothing of substance. I don't know. This was like having, you know, like I felt like I went somewhere and had a decent steak, and then I decided I was going to follow it up by going somewhere and trying another steak. But instead of going to a steakhouse again, I went to Denny's. (laughs) And the dancing—it was not really dirty dancing. It was more like slightly soiled swaying. Yeah, right. Her dance, in the, her dance in the final scene oh, is just God. so bad. Like there are certain times I, I noticed that they just kind of edited in audience members in front of the actual dancing. And I'm like, you know, like they're like, oh, we just we couldn't figure out a shot for our movie that didn't cover up the dancing. Like, no, you inserted those people to cover up what they were, what her legs were doing. You know, you know what you're missing is the best part of the whole choreography and dancing situation is the is the bookend of the movie where she goes, I saw your play. The choreography was amazing. <laughs> Just like, no, no, it wasn't. It was awful. I think she injured herself and they threatened to shoot her if she broke her ankle again <laughs> man that just it was, uh, i mean i i really do really do like her as an actress and yeah. she was horribly miscast in this yeah and she seems like she did not want to put any effort into learning how to dance i agree with you i mean i get from one perspective they say okay the character's not supposed to know how to dance so that's fine but like by the end they're supposed the character's supposed to know. And we're not expecting you to be dancing with the stars level dancing, <laughs> but show that Johnny Castle has taught you something. And and the whole attempt, to, like we talked about in the, in the first section, the whole scene with Jennifer Grey and the wipeout scene where she's trying to learn how to dance on the stairs and super charming and she just wonderfully gets frustrated herself and you just feel such connection with her. And then in this one, they kind of show her sway a couple times on her front porch and then she goes to bed. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, because like you could just—it just seemed like she was completely disinterested in dancing as an actress. Be my, be my paycheck. <laughs> oh God, yeah. No, this, this, not great. No. I mean, we've watched worse. Is like the best thing I can say about this. Yep. I. But here's the thing: I've watched worse and been more entertained. Like, what's what, Joel? What's the movie with uh, L, the freaky robot? Star Crash. Oh, yeah. Star Crash was worse, but it was more fun to watch. I right. do not disagree with that statement. Yeah, this was terrible and totally missed the heart of the first thing. They even misused misused Katie Seagal. Yeah, I mean she she her character was boring. The, her her parallel in the first movie was a more interesting character than this one. Mm-hmm. Although that you know the Fever song would be good. That I won't lie. That was that was. Want to get an abortion, baby? Let's go. (laughs) 
Yikes. Wow. <laughs> That's my new ringtone. Oh. Okay. All right, <laughs> Pat. Tag, yeah. <laughs> tag it as abortion baby. Why? <laughs> Get on you, Pat. Get on you. Turn so, the sling blade. Yeah. No, you were turning into the janitor from Futurama. <laughs> Scruffy don't like Scruffy, it, yeah, I couldn't think Scr- of his name. Scruffy sees. Scruffy don't care. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean Again, don't want to be in this situation where we're just like dumping on, I mean, reverse farleying uh, how, yeah. how shitty this was. They also kind of merged. What, um, what would a reverse farley be? A Chris Catan? Yeah. <laughs> we don't want a Chris Catan this thing. Strangely enough, before I started recording, I was watching a story about Chris Catan and uh, Norm, Norm MacDonald. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a, a story about. It's much more entertaining this than this movie about Chris Catan uh, getting pissed off at Norm Macdonald because he wasn't like doing the voice for the Twilight Zone sketch. Mm-hmm. That's so, a good one. Yeah, look that up. That's 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 better than this. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will recommend that video versus this two-hour movie. Yeah, Definitely. five minutes of your time three and you will be hour. more entertained. What? This, this remake was three hours long. What one did you oh. watch? What wasn't it? No, no, oh, two that, hours and ten minutes. Two hours and ten. It felt like three hours. Oh my god! <laughs> Smelled like it too. It's like <laughs> Abigail Breslin and Hitch Your Wagon. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's next. Oh, oh man! <sighs> as long as it doesn't make me move too much, I'll hitch it. What has Cole Pratt been doing recently? Hiding. I mean, you know, the, the guy playing Johnny Castle had an impressive six pack. I'll give him that. Ah, uh, he he looked all right. He was, yeah. I'm not changing teams for him, but he was. He well, was yeah. What did Abigail Breslin have? Abigail Breslin fucked up teeth. <laughs> 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 Sorry, <laughs> a, a that just kind of came out. <laughs> she, she had a super sized Big Mac meal. Oh my god! Oh god. This, oh. Is, this is in bad taste. Let's go to. <laughs> Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I gotta make it clear that I really do love her as an actress, but this was yes, bad, bad, bad role. Yeah. It yeah. was so hard to watch her in this. Yeah, like it just seemed like she did not want to be there. I didn't want to be there. I still don't <laughs> want to be there. Yeah. Hey, but wait, Abigail Breslin is most recently going to be in a movie called Slayers, and a group of superstar influencers are drawn to a reclusive billionaire's mansion only to find themselves trapped in the lair of an evil vampire. It's got Abigail Breslin and Thomas Jane. Okay. I might be in. Yeah. She, she'd be much better suited for like a horror thing right now. I think. Yeah. It sounds much better than this. Yeah. As so long as she doesn't I, have to I, dance in that movie. I did not have the time of my life. <laughs> so okay, so the, the one I'm, one I'm, I know what we are for the now, but for the then, Patrick, thumbs up, thumbs down. Oh, the then, yeah, definitely thumbs up. Okay, Josh, how about you? Hmm, this is going to be the rare thumb sideways. Oh, oh, like if I was pressed, if if you guys banned me from using the thumb sideways, it would probably have to default to down. But I wouldn't feel very confident about the down. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna, you know, be the champion of commitment and make you pick. That tracks. Ah, I mean, Cham- when... <laughs> champion of commitment. <laughs> oh my god, you gave me a headache. <laughs> when you compare it to the new one, I have to give it a thumbs up. Although I don't ever need to see it again, it's okay. But it was better than than this. Yeah, I'm gonna go with thumbs up for then, thumbs down for now. Yeah, thumbs I was down gonna for say, now. I, I don't think anyone. Yeah, thumbs 
my thumb cannot possibly be more down. Thumbs in my <laughs> eyes. Yeah. yeah. All three thumbs down. Well, there you go, guys. But I mean, the, the the chemistry between Swayze and Dre just makes the first movie just impossible to give it a thumbs down. Did you say Dre? I did, but you weren't supposed I'm, to notice. I'm sorry. I, I just forgot about Dre. I just <laughs> resaw. I, I just resaw <laughs> Dirty Dancing with Patrick Swayze and Doctor Dre. <laughs> that would have been better than the remake. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Patrick Swayze in a modern retelling of Dirty Dancing would have been Abigail Breslin and Dr. Dre. <laughs> yeah, current Patrick Swayze in the remake would have been better. Yep. Dirty Dancing in the Is hood. that what you said, Joel? Yeah, I did. Nice. Woof. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ooh, I got the vapors going on. <laughs> oh, goodness. So, yeah. Uh, did we already talk about what it? we got coming up? Nope. Nope. Well, let's do that. All right. Well, if uh, before we do that, uh, if you have your thoughts on Dirty Dancing or uh, any commentary on how uh, rough we got with each other and with Abigail Breslin <laughs> the show, uh, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. All right. And if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find us on Blueberry or Pandora. And give us a thumbs up there. And if you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear about it. So leave us a review on either Apple, Google, or Amazon podcasts. You can also support us through the Kofi link in the show notes and help keep internet costs at bay. Joel, what do we got coming up? Uh, well, a lawsuit from Abigail Breslin. <laughs> yeah. Spencer I don't Spencer have funny teeth. <laughs> Uh, well, in the immediate future, we've got uh, Pinocchio, little Elvis Presley, uh, Lord of the Rings, uh, Rings of Power, and Quantum Leap, maybe uh, even Call of the Wild. Ooh, we got a lot, a lot on cue. If There's anybody has any ideas, if anybody has any ideas for memory shows, you can toss those our way. Too. We're running out of those. Ideas. And October is coming up, so Halloween is almost upon us. Yeah, if you have any horror ideas that uh, you can fuck nothing. off. Joel is not taking any questions. He is not taking any suggestions. It's all him. Joel apparently won't hear any of them. I I will take suggestions. He's already having to give up 25% of his month. He's not giving up the other three numbers. (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. This was an amazing journey. I'm glad you were all with us. We'll be back next week, and thanks for listening. Somebody put baby in the corner. You know, that summer, I had the time of my life. My wake-up song is Dragula by Rob Zombie. Oh, so you're all about waking up and pissing yourself at the same time, huh? <laughs> at his age, it's bound to happen anyway. Maybe yeah. we'll have music. That's <laughs> how my morning starts. Might as well have a little theme. <laughs> you know, my Yeah, my morning wake-up song is the Exorcist soundtrack. Oh, that's awesome. Dig <laughs> the ditches and pee in my britches. <laughs> <laughs> It was right there, damn it. (laughs) Yeah.